Welcome to Brain Health 365, the podcast focusing on innovative, holistic, and integrative approaches to brain health and healthy aging. Our host, Brian Brown, a national cognitive health expert, will discuss and interview top experts covering wide-ranging topics focusing on his 10 principles for brain health. We invite you to engage and join the conversation. Welcome to Brain Health 365, the podcast that discusses everything concerning your brain health. I'm your host, Brian Brown, and today we're pleased to have on our program Dr. Angie Seach, who is an expert in maternal brain health. Dr. Seach comes to us with a master's and a doctorate degree from Tufts University and has spent years researching and being an enthusiast about a topic that we don't discuss a lot. I talk a lot about cognitive decline and cognitive health in the Alzheimer's and dementia space, but Dr. Seach uh, takes a different take on cognition. She deals with the maternal brain and maternal child health um, avenue. And we're gonna have a discussion about what we know as pregnancy brain and mommy brain. So Angie, welcome to the program. Ryan, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So this topic of um, the maternal brain, is it a new, a new subject or new topic or is it hasn't been around for a while and why don't we hear much about it? You know, it really is a newer topic. Just within the last couple of decades, uh, the research has really exploded and focusing on the maternal brain Much of the research that we see um, published or that has been conducted has really been on um, males, especially in the animal field, using animal models in, say, pharmacology. Uh, And that's mostly because males are easier to work with because you're not working with their cycles. So they've used males as the basis for much of our research. Um, So it's been really within the last, you know, 20 couple of decades, 20 years, that um, there have been a lot more researchers researchers saying, you know, why aren't we focusing on the maternal brain? And it is important because mothers matter. So that's that's a a really interesting take because there's a link then between, you know, the maternal brain and mental health that we've we've noticed that a lot of um, mothers have been speaking out in terms of mental health and going through pregnancy or, or, or postpartum. And, and we get this term of, of mommy brain or pregnancy brain that, uh, that's out there. And so why do you think so many childbearing women struggle with these issues? Well, number one, it's we're not supported. So if we haven't even been looking at the topic, if we haven't even been researching it, and we haven't even had the time to develop anything to actually help women with these conditions. And culturally, it has really not been the norm to give women that attention, especially after having babies. Um, so much of the focus is on, well, you know, you have a healthy baby. So why would you complain about anything? Um, you know, that really has been the focus for so many years that women have never felt comfortable saying anything's wrong. Also, there's a fear there that, you know, commonly women say, well, I was afraid that if I said anything, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, we're not talking just about mommy brain here. We're talking about postpartum or perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. 
and that you know can be postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. And those kinds of disorders are often, a lot of women don't speak up about them because maybe they're afraid they'll lose their baby or they're afraid that um, they won't be supported. And sometimes it's as simple as there's no one to screen them and there is, um, there's no help available. So, so someone isn't trained to give them maybe the therapy or resources that they need. There, you know, there are two different things of what I really threw myself into after having my first baby was just those brain changes that happen when you become pregnant. Um, and when those go wrong, then you see those postpartum or perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. So that, that's a great starting point, because as you know, um, I deal with the normal age-related brain changes and then the abnormal um, brain changes that come within uh, dementia or Alzheimer's diagnosis. And so you're saying that there's all of these brain changes that happen during a pregnancy period. So let's talk about some of those brain changes that oftentimes don't get discussed. Oh, yeah. They, Brian, they're not talked about at all. I mean, when I first had my baby, I was a professor and I was in a psychology department and I thought, what is happening to me? And I started, you know, looking into the research and I thought, wow, there is research here saying that our brains shrink during pregnancy um, and all of these other changes that happen and no one talks about it. No one. And I thought if I had just known about these changes and how they were going to happen, what about them was normal? Um, I would have been in a better place rather than feeling so outside of my body and not knowing what was happening. So these changes that happen, um, you know, some research showed that there are the cognitive changes that happen during pregnancy. You know, you hear about mommy brain a lot and really between there are three trimesters of pregnancy between the first and second trimester, you really see the most changes and that's in just cognitive functioning, executive functioning, and um, memory. So women will report some deficits. So let's, let's, let's just unpack that just for a little bit. Yeah. So in the first trimester, you're going to see a more forgetful mom, uh, a mom that doesn't have the attention span she normally would, um, a mom that may have a little bit of a visual spatial type of um, um, unawareness and things along those lines. So those similar types of brain changes that we oftentimes um, see manifested in abnormal brain aging actually starts to happen in the pregnant woman. Yes. I mean, maybe some forgetting of appointments, some, um, you know, just forgetting of names. Uh, so some of those changes, yeah, they happen. And research shows they're not so significant that if you tested them on a cognitive test, that they're going to show like a massive decline, but they're there. So um, you know, if women are feeling that way, if they're feeling, wow, I don't feel like myself, I can't remember things, or I'm forgetting appointments, my brain is failing me, you know, that is a normal part of that beginning pregnancy. And then the research does show the worst. So the biggest change is between the first and second, but then the worst is really the third trimester, right before that baby's about to come. And then some of the um, cognitive changes that we see are in that that fourth trimester, which is, you know, the three months after birth. So this is just a very, very critical time period for when the, the perinatal brain, the, you know, pregnancy brain and postpartum brain are just changing to be a mother. 
So Angie, are there any physiological or chemical changes that happen in the brain that cause what we see uh, on the physical side, uh, maybe hormones or some type of brain chemistry that's going on? Yeah, I mean, there are so many, right? This is, um, I can I could talk for hours about the types of um, neurotransmitters and hormones that are really changing the brain and they're changing the brain structure, right? So they're preparing the brain to be able to develop new connections and new neurons based on mothering and interacting with the infant. So just a few, I mean, there's a lot of research, anything from um, cortisol, you know, cortisol is a stress hormone. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of research in the field showing that high cortisol during pregnancy. So mothers that are stressed, it affects your brain so much and it affects the baby. So, um, you know, they, they've been showing that there are long-term effects of high cortisol in mothers and infants. So um, higher possibility of ADHD and other disorders. Um, and that's why it's really important to reduce stress during pregnancy because those hormones that you're listening are potentially affecting the baby. Um, and then we have, you know, oxytocin and we have prolactin after the birth that are really affecting a lot of the cognition and, um, and behavior of the mother. So, um, oxytocin, you know, is something that's released during breastfeeding and interacting with the baby and oxytocin is really helpful in helping the brain to recover because it's that interaction with the baby that helps you to regain that brain mass that you lose during pregnancy. So those are just a a few players. Um, Women also need to know that, you know, when you have that baby, you have a steep drop in estrogen and other, and other hormones that you have during pregnancy. So that's why that postpartum time, especially that first, those first couple of weeks are very critical to be supported and, you know, recover and, um, you know, take care of yourself during that time, because you're not going to feel normal and it's going to be very, it's, it's going to be very different from how you normally feel. So with that, are there some potential restrictions that um, could be put in place if uh, we see some uh, severity of uh, the cognitive problems or, or any of the things that you listed? Are there some, some things that, that we should uh, be telling women that they may want to refrain from doing during that particular period of time? Oh, you know, I wouldn't say that. I would say I wouldn't refrain from doing things I would just focus on what you can do to take care of yourself. Um, You know, we don't want a lot of stress during pregnancy. So reducing any stressors, that's important. Sleep, you know, there's a lot of, there's a connection between poor sleep quality during pregnancy and postpartum issues, postpartum depression, anxiety. Also sleep, the way you sleep in pregnancy has been shown to affect the type of birth that you have. So maybe a C-section birth, a vaginal birth. Um, So sleep is critical. Um, Reducing stress is critical. And, you know, there's some interesting things I I talk about uh, for the future with, you know, women who have postpartum depression have been seen to have higher oxytocin during pregnancy. So there are these little markers that might actually indicate whether you're you have a propensity to end up with postpartum issues. 
Um, so, you know, again, this is the, this is really, this research is new and much of it is just in this exploratory stage and, and not completely understanding why things are happening, but um, I'm hoping, you know, that it continues and we get a lot more answers about what's happening to the, the perinatal brain. So, so looking at, um, you know, women of childbearing age and who are looking forward to becoming moms, um, oftentimes, you know, there's uh, a lot of books out there that's, that talk about the pregnancy itself and what to expect, but there's really not a lot of information about this aspect of pregnancy. Um, there's a lot of, oh, the morning sickness and so on and so forth. And I'm no expert here talking, and this is why we have you here, um, that, that those are the types of things that are oftentimes focused on. How do we work towards um, making sure that um, this type of information, the research that, that you're involved with and are talking about are part of the discussion? Because um, I, I've heard from, from many women about the fact that they feel um, different during pregnancy and are wondering um, what's going on. So how do, we, how do we put this or get this as part of um, a, a normalizing discussion amongst um, not even just um, childbearing women, but their, their, their spouses and partners and things along those lines? Oh, Brian, where do I start? I don't know if you know this, but um, as our country actually ranks last for maternal mortality amongst all developed countries in the world, and that is just surviving childbirth. So developed country, we rank last. And that, again, I always start there because I think the amount of care, the amount of research that's ha currently happening, it's not enough, right? So we have to start there. You know, we have to start putting research and, and, and funding towards the researchers that I cite in the research that I talk about. Um, and so it has to be more of a global global call to action to, to pay attention to these things. Um, and women, you know, women are so focused, our society is so focused on, again, the baby, how preparing for the baby, how do you feel, how's the baby, you know, where is the baby in the stage of development? Um, and that's why I started Mommy Brain EDU, because I thought women need to know more about what, what their brain is doing throughout this process. And so, I mean, to answer your question, I think that's kind of where I started, like trying to educate on these topics so that women can feel less alone in their, their thoughts about what is happening to my brain. Why do I feel this way? Um, and we all need to start talking about it more, um, not only for the mothers, but the caregivers, the partners, anybody interacting with a, a woman that is having a child, um, you know, because we even see brain changes in, in parents that are just the primary caregiver. So if a male has an adopted child and he is the primary caregiver, his brain changes too. So parenting changes the brain and it changes the brain in beautiful ways. Um, you know, there are there is some recent research that shows that when you have a baby, the more children you have, actually just around three or four is the average, you start to see protective factors in your brain. Um, That's so, interesting. Yeah, so, you know, you, I thought maybe you were going to ask um, 
about how to, you know, take care of your brain. And, and the funny answer from this research is, well, have more children. <laughs> the more children people had, the more protective factors they, that they had. So their brain actually looked younger. The older they were, they had a younger looking brain if they had more children, which is just fascinating. And there are a lot of theories as to why that is, but um, but that's the other thing, Brian, people need to, women, everyone needs to know that your brain does not deteriorate. You know, mommy brain is temporary. And in fact, you do develop better skills. You know, there's research that shows that, you know, women can actually differentiate faces better when they're pregnant than when they're not pregnant. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense, right? You want to know who your friends are. Um, not your foes because you're protecting an infant. So some skills actually um, increase when you're pregnant. Um, and that's, that's what I try to talk about with women, that it's not all bad. And, and it's only feeling that way because your brain's getting ready to explode into this new role that you're about to take on. So it, it's really good to educate um, partners as well then, because, um, uh, unwitting partners can really be either a friend or a foe of uh, maternal brain. Um, you could either aid and assist in the process, or you can put your foot in your mouth on a regular basis as someone is going through um, this process and, and looking at their cognition, going through all of these different changes and really not having any answers or explanations, but the frustration and the, and the buildup um, that, that goes along with that. So having a, uh, uh, a spouse or a partner that is in tune with what's going on must be a, a tremendous help as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think of it this way, the brain changes that happen during pregnancy and the postpartum are only ever seen otherwise in maybe an accident or an injury. So a lot of the researchers say this is a construct construction zone, like the brain, the maternal brain is a construction zone. And if people knew that, if partners knew that, and, you know, women, they're not fragile in this moment, they're fragile, but they're also fierce, right? Because they're about to take on this role that these brain changes are necessary in order to make them be the best that they can in that role. So I think partners should see them in this beautiful way and and support anything that would help them to be their best selves when that brain is ready to go. So are some compensatory strategies um, like exercise, is, 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 that a, is that a good compensatory strategy for a woman going through um, the maternal brain, for example? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I, mean, I, you know, we know exercise is increases neurogenesis, right? So oh cell development in the brain. So we always want to exercise. I mean, exercise during pregnancy is so important for so many reasons, just, you know, diabetes and um, heart health. So exercise is absolutely doing the best thing for yourself. But I also think it's just trying to maintain who you were. Many of the things that you did, um, you know, don't feel that you have to stop any of that or you have to change or, um, but also know that you're developing this brain to be a different person because much of the issues that women have is this transition. You know, this is one of the biggest transitions in their lives. So knowing how to prepare for this transition to becoming this 
different person because you're it's a profound change in your brain. You, the only other time we see this is like I said, injury or adolescence when um, people or humans are going through the changes, brain changes of their adolescence. Um, pregnancy does the same thing to your brain. Wow. So looking at the um, where we are, um, and you're based in Atlanta, Georgia, and you are on the board of the, uh, the Georgia Postpartum Support International. Um, mm-hmm. eff- efforts like those in terms of um, places where we, where we can get resources. And so, uh, again, you started Mommy Brain EDU as a starting point where you can talk about your research and amplify the research of others as well. So talk a little bit about that and a little bit more about, um, you know, the postpartum support international and things, efforts that other people are doing to, to really amplify this message. Oh yeah. So when I was giving talks about the maternal brain, you know, they were to sometimes recently postpartum women or um, women who were pregnant. And I found that a lot of women didn't have the resources they needed just for individual therapy, for maybe dealing with some postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. Um, And that is, you know, when I made the transition to wanting to actually be a therapist um, for mothers, because it is so needed right now. Um, But, you know, when I moved to, to Georgia, there is a great need because Georgia ranks last in the country for maternal mortality. And um, I got involved with Postpartum Support International, which is focusing on helping mothers to get the treatment after having a child or even during their pregnancy for any of those disorders that can come from what happens to the maternal brain. Because if we really, like I said, go back, all of these changes, if they go too far, if we just want to put it that way, if the chemical changes in the brain go beyond what you need, you can have these disorders, you know, the postpartum depression, the postpartum anxiety. Um, and these, remember, these disorders are not what depression is. Like the etiology, the, the, the cause of them is not what you would see if someone outside of pregnancy or postpartum is depressed. They're different because the brain changes in a different way. Um, so the postpartum support Georgia is trying to train providers to screen women postpartum, um, for these issues and to connect them with resources to find specific people that can help them with the perinatal mood disorders. Now, every state in the country has their own chapter. So, um, Arizona does have a chapter, um, if people are listening from there. Um, But all you have to do is go to the Postpartum Support International website, and they have a way to connect with peer support groups. So you could connect with other individuals and other mothers going through this, Um, or you could connect with and find a provider in your state that is trained to work with mothers. And so, um, yes, I I do work with them, and um, I can also be contacted. There are not, Ryan, there, there aren't many people outside of me going out and taking this research to mothers. And it is, it's really needed. I mean, women need to know the brain changes that happen and the people that support them need to know as well. Absolutely. Um, And that's one of the, 
the things that we want to be able to uh, illuminate here is the fact that um, uh, we need to point to this. As, as I go around the country, as you know, talking about cognition in general, oftentimes it's for um, you know, the older population, uh, the, the brain changes that, the abnormal brain changes that happen um, with aging. And I really wanted to, I was happy to, to be able to open it up to understanding cognitive changes don't always just happen with aging. And this is a perfect example of understanding the cognitive changes that happen during life and the things that we can do and, and why we need to really amplify this message because I know there are many, many, many women out there who are going through this process but think that there's something wrong with them or, or they're going through something that is uh, irreparable. And, and your information research is invaluable um, in this space. Now, in terms of um, really letting people who are kind of going through that process know that there is uh, a, a, a maybe not a silver lining at the end of this, but understanding that these changes do pass over time as the body's um, hormones and the neurotransmitters go back to normal. And so give, give a little bit of an essence of that kind of trajectory of, of how long um, it takes for um, pre-maternal brain to potentially return. So they say it takes up to two years for it to return. And again, that is like to the normal size. So if you, if you said that your brain is at hundred percent and it shrinks down to 80% during pregnancy, um, then it takes up to two years for that brain to fully recover. Um, and, you know, again, this argument could go towards so many things to, to allowing women, you know, more paid leave to stay home and have those interactions that help their brain to recover. I mean, these are cognitive changes that that need care they need attention from not just partners and support people but everyone um but again you know these this recent research shows that you could take an mri of a woman who's 70 years old and you could tell whether she's had children by what her brain looks like wow that's amazing and so what happens is again they show if she has a she's 70 years old she might show that she has a 65 year old brain so her brain is going to be healthier because she had children and these changes that actually happened. So that's something to look forward to if you're thinking about, oh, am I gonna recover? Um, and yes, you do recover. And sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need professional help. Sometimes you need medication because some of these changes are maybe too intense um, and they lead to you know, postpartum or perinatal mood disorders. Um, but you, know, you will get through it and Focus on if, you know, if it's not severe, try to focus on those strengths that you do, you do gain from these changes. That, that's, that's really interesting um, in terms of the protective factors after the fact. That is, that, that's, that's phenomenal that, that the brain really has the, the mechanism to not only heal itself, but protect and become stronger on the other end of, uh, of what we know as uh, maternal brain. Um, yeah. And I did want to point out, it does, it does peak. So around, it says three to four children. Um, but women who have many children, like seven or more, as you know, they're actually prone to Alzheimer's disease because of, so it, it does, it, there is a, a perfect amount of children to have. <laughs> yeah. There's the point of diminishing returns, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that's great. Well, this has been a fantastic discussion. Angie, and um, I'm 
really glad that we could bring this to our to our listening audience. Um, uh, maternal brain health, um, mommy brain, pregnancy brain, it's a real thing um, that we all have to be in tune with. Um, and really, um, go to uh, mommybrainedu.com to find out more about Angie and her research. And we're going to be back with future episodes talking about other issues in cognition. And so we want to thank you today, Angie, for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into Brain Health 365, the podcast. We'll see you on another episode. Thank you for joining us. We encourage listener engagement and invite you to submit your brain health questions to us at questions at brainhealth365.com. Be sure to follow us on socials and download Brain Health 365 from wherever you get your podcast to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Join the conversation.